Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. you movie fans out there. Thanks so much for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. Of course, you don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you during this fourth week of February 2011. We're in for a real treat today, folks, because funny lady Beth Littleford is here to talk about her upcoming appearance in Crazy Stupid Love, Steve Carell's new film, as well as about highlights from her other experiences as a comic actress. You know, the first time I saw Beth was during the early days of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, where she had me in stitches as the lone female correspondent who filed stories on people like, um, well, the inventor of a wonder bra for men and, and the matchmaker for the militia movement. And her other credits include movies like Drillbit Taylor and Mystery Alaska, plus her amusing stint on Spin City, her wonderful interview specials, and her current role on MTV's The Hard Times of R.J. Berger. It's a great pleasure to bring her on now. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, Beth. Hi, Betty Jo. It's good to be here. Well, I'm it's excited. wonderful to have you on the show. <laughs> and thanks, I, thanks. I think that you just have some breaking news to tell us about uh, something that I didn't mention in the introduction about a certain red the, carpet. Could you fill our yes, listeners in on that? Yes, movie fans will be very excited to hear um, that I just got word that I'm going to be the red carpet host for the Independent Spirit Awards this Saturday, so the day before okay. the Oscars. Um uh, I will be stationed on the red carpet interviewing all the nominees for these fantastic indie movies, you know, the little movies that could. Um, and it's been a great year for them. So this this will be fantastic. I, I'm so excited to talk about, you know, to see people wow. I've, I've never met and have worshipped from afar and also to see a few actors that I've had the pleasure of working with. So really excited about that. Well, congratulations on, on doing that. We'll, we'll be sure to... Uh to take a look to take a look at that because uh, the indie, there are, there are some of the people nominated for independent spirit awards that are also I think nominated for the Oscar. Oscars. So we, we have a big weekend big weekend coming up. It's a up. big and, weekend for movie lovers, absolutely. And yeah. you're and you're definitely a part of that. Well, it's just great to have you with us today. We we've got lots of questions for you, but we can't begin, Beth. Until Nikki Starr gives us the go-ahead from our chat room. Nikki, okay. is everything ready for our chatters to participate? Yes, it is, and we're looking forward to the show very much. Thank you so much, Nikki, for all you do to help with uh, make everything go well in the chat. And we really appreciate the people who sign up for the chat room as well as our other listeners. And as always, we appreciate Jazz Shaw's willingness to co-host the show. Jazz. Are you ready with some questions for Beth? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. I notice a lot of people filing in and out and back and forth in the chat room, so everybody's excited about this. So. Great. 
Well, all righty then. You have the floor for the first, and the honor of asking the first uh, first questions, Jazz. Yeah, we, we we can't get to the specifics of your upcoming events till we get a little bit of background for people who might not be as familiar with you. Okay. Um, particularly in terms of the genre, we interview a lot of people from all aspects of acting, and the hardest one is comedy, as they say. When when you die on stage in comedy, you really die. Oh, yeah. uh, it, that, that's, that's pretty much the hardest. When did you first realize that you wanted to do comedy and maybe that was your strong suit? Because it is just such a difficult choice. Thank you. Yes, yes, it is. And for a gal raised sort of in a conservative southern town, it, you know, it, women being funny was not encouraged. But I have to tell you, the first time, I guess I, I, I was on stage and heard a laugh. I've always had the acting bug from a young age. And I remember... In seventh grade, they were going to do the Mikado, and I insisted on being the Lord High Executioner, Coco. And I hammed it up, and I got a laugh. And I, and I remember in tenth grade, and they were doing The Hobbit, and I wanted to be Gandalf. And, and for my audition, they wanted us to improvise um, some kind of wizard, wizarding. You know, Gandalf from The Hobbit is the, grand, the wizard, wizarding chant. And so I, I channeled Eddie Murphy from Trading Places when he, when he was on the train and he was pretending to be the African high priest. I sort of just channeled some gibberish from him and, and got a laugh. And I, I realized that I, you know, I like to, you know, it's often male characters I was playing when I was a teen. You know, I was in, in college, I was the Inspector Hound in Tom Stoppard's The Real Inspector Hound. But it was these sort of goofy, hammy, um, fun roles. I remember I was I was cast when we were doing Snow White when I was a kid. And I wanted to be, of course, you want to be kind of the, the princess. But I was cast as the evil stepmother and I got my feelings hurt and, and the little, you know, camp counselor director said, No, the the villain's always more fun to play. And it's true. So the villain's always more fun to play and the person who gets the laugh is always more fun to play. And I think I <laughs> caught the bug young and there's really nothing like getting the laughs, which is why I still like old-fashioned sitcoms. I still love doing sitcoms in front of a live audience. I still love doing theater, and I'm doing a lot of sort of spoken word stuff and one-person showy type stuff because there's no magic like having that interaction with an audience. You know, The Daily Show was four years of it when I got to be in front of the the studio audience and, and ride the waves of laughter, you know, it's like surfers feel about surfing. It's, it's sort of a, sort of a fantastic, <laughs> almost spiritual experience. Well, you, you, you may win some sort of a uh, movie at headquarters award because when I ask where one gets one started in comedy, Gandalf is not the first character that comes to mind from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but I got laughs at Gandalf. And that laid the foundation. <laughs> Gandalf and the Hobbit. <laughs> uh, who, who are some of your inspirations? Because everybody draws on somebody on something. Who are some of the actors, some of the performances uh, that 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 you draw on when you're uh, when you're when you're doing your craft? Well, you know, I'm I'm a product of 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 my time of the formative years, let's say. Um, so so late seventies, early eighties was when I was just sort of deciding that. Uh, that I liked to goof off and be a clown. And I remember being named wittiest in junior high and thinking, is that just because I'm 
the weirdest or am I in fact witty? <laughs> and I almost felt like I had to live up to that. But I have to tell you, I was a huge Carol Burnett fan. I was a huge Muppet oh. Show fan. I mean, I, so I got, you know, so the sort of character stuff from Carol Burnett and the Muppet Show with the slapstick, the vaudevillian, the absurdist, you know, Miss Piggy's slow burn towards the camera, you know, <laughs> the timing, the classic timing of jokes. And then this is, I was just thinking about this. It's so interesting to me. To I'll, I'll call back in Eddie Murphy because I was I was 14, and I guess in the 80s we, we weren't as careful about what our children were listening to or watching because I had his first comedy um, album. I had a mm-hmm. little cassette tape, and so I was I was a you know a white girl in a small conservative town in Central Florida doing um, black movie theaters and doing like talking cars. I was doing Eddie Murphy. I was walking around doing his bits for anyone who would listen. Um, so you know I loved his in junior high. <laughs> I was watching Eddie Murphy. You know, it's incredibly offensive now, and it's just F-bombs. You know, just just the language is filthy, but um, but it, it's fantastic raw comedic talent. And uh, so, so really, those were the things I was listening to. And then, of course, SNL was, you know, sort of in its heyday, yeah. um, and I'm still such a fan of Saturday Night Live. Um, yeah, and... Um, Gosh, not necessarily the news. Oh, you remember that stuff, like, oh, you know, which was a little oh, yeah. bit of, I guess, oh, yeah. a precursor to The Daily Show. Um, so, yeah. and then, you know, and I know we were talking about, there was a, you know, this sort of classic film comedies, and I, and I, um, I classic for me is Meatballs. Classic for me is Tootsie. Like, I really, my <laughs> film knowledge right. does not go back further than that. Mm-hmm. But something like Tootsie, I could watch it. Over and over again, sometimes I find myself sounding like Dustin Hoffman's character. I would love to do Tootsie. I would love to be in the remake of Tootsie and be Tootsie. So, you know, the, the, so there, was, there, was, there was some great comedies, uh, film comedies in the 80s, too, that, um, you, you know, that I've you watched certainly over and over again. You, you really did mention a lot of my favorites. I, I, I love your taste. I mean, my goodness, Carol Burnett. Yeah, the old Muppet. school, but good stuff, good stuff. Absolutely, and Carol Burnett in that I cannot get it out of my head. I, I was trying to watch Gone with the Wind the other night on Turner Classic Movies, I and the only thing I could it. think about was Carol Burnett's skit where she she used the drapes and made that. that she was <laughs> Charlotte O'Hara, and she used the giant curtain rod. And the drapes to make her dress with a giant curtain rod sticking out the side. And I think that's like in the Smithsonian or something, that dress, that Carol Burnett curtain rod. The other one that you mentioned, Betty Betty Jo, is that uh, I've often heard Jon Stewart make reference, and he does in one of his books, that some of his early inspirations for The Daily Show, in fact, was Chevy Chase doing Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. We were just recently uh, re-watching the first season of that, and a lot of that comes through. Because you know it's yeah. just really classic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. Well, yeah. It's I, true. I mean, we weren't I, the first to do it on the Daily Show, but um, yeah, it's some great, great stuff that came great, before. Great tradition. Uh, I just, I just have to ask you about this um, new, new movie that you're involved in, Crazy Stupid Love. I was looking yeah. at the cast in this movie. Emma Stone, Marissa Tomei. I think we're getting a little. Feedback again here. Uh, I hope does it's anybody not me. have speakers on? I don't think it's you. Not me. Okay, it sounds okay. 
Old Anna's not Chad, <laughs> so I don't know who's guilty here. But anyway, it sounds okay to me now. But I started to say Emma Stone and Marissa Tomei, Ryan Gosling, Kevin Bacon, Julianne Moore, Steve Carell, uh, John Carroll Lynch, Josh Groban, and of course Beth Littleford. <laughs> Tell us about that movie. What is it? What is it about? And and who do you play in the film? And tell us a little bit about her, uh, that character that you play. Well, it's it's a huge, fantastic ensemble cast. And what's so wonderful about this movie is that every, the relationships are all deliciously interwoven and come back around and meet up. And everyone's it's interesting. Everyone is one degree of separation away from each other. And Kevin Bacon's in the movie, so I finally get my one degree of. Kevin Bacon, which I'm thrilled about. Um, but I play, you know, it's funny. My characters are often, I mean, I'm either swinging between, like, uptight neighbor or, you know, milf gone wild. But so this is uptight neighbor. We are, um, my husband and I are, you know, kind of best friends with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore's couple. And they're breaking up at the beginning. And I tell my husband that we are remaining friends with her, and my husband has to break up with Steve Carell. And um, our, you know, our teenage daughter babysits for Steve's character and Steve's character's kids, and is in love with him. And I find nude pictures that she's taken of herself that she wants to send to him. And I freak out, and hilarity ensues. Um, it's 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 a it's a Gladys Kravitzy character, if we know this reference from Bewitched. Yeah. You know the kind of nosy, the nosy, disapproving, um, judgmental gal, but also just a mom, you know, a mom finding uh, naked pictures of her teen teenage daughter, <laughs> you know, oh, meant for a grown oh, man. Yeah, so, and it, it's also, there's just a lot of really, you know, I, I saw a screening of it, I laughed, I cried, you know, I love to laugh and cry, I love to laugh and cry at the same time, there's really, it's really a wonderful movie, it's a it's a James Brooks movie in a sense, in that sense, that it's, it's that great, there's depth, and there's also levity and, you know, hilarity and slapstick and whatever, but there's really, you know, some heartbreak and, and then, you know, reuniting and kind of everybody coming together and the happy ending. So it's really my favorite type of movie. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And, yeah, I got oh, to I'm my so old colleague, Steve it. Carell. It's Steve Which Carell, and it's, I think it's coming out in, in July. I can hardly wait to see it. But Late there's July. one name in the cast that, that I'm especially interested in um, because it's one of my favorite uh, character actors, uh, John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, he's my Do husband. Do you have any? Oh, he's he plays husband. your husband. He's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Isn't he fantastic? Oh, my gosh. He's, yeah, and he's the, he's the son um, of uh, Dan Lynch, who was my debate partner in high school. <gasps> Small and we world. won the oh we gosh. won the tri-state uh, debate championship that year. So if you see so, John Carroll Lynch, <laughs> you tell. Oh, him I will that. see him, and he played he played my husband. And he what's so funny is that I did not realize. You know, I knew I'd recognized him. You know, he mentioned that we were on the Warner Brothers lot for a little bit, and he'd shot Drew Carey there for years. And it's like, oh yes, he was the cross-dressing brother of Drew Carey. Yeah. And then at some point, he mentioned Fargo, and I still didn't get it. Oh, Fargo! And yeah. you know that was his first. That was his breakout role or his first role that he played Franny McDormand's husband in Fargo. And he's such a fantastic character actor that he's done, as he he, he liked to tell me, he's done 46 films. I started calling him 46. Um, but he's done 46 films. But you don't, you know you know him, but he blends so beautifully into each character 
that uh, you're like, wait, where is it? So I, of course, remember him. That Once he told me, I, of course, remember him from Fargo, and he was fantastic. And, uh, you know, he's just, he can, he can do it all. He can do comedy. He can do drama. And, and we had a great time. We got to improvise a lot on this set because these, you know, these two directors were the writers of Bad Santa, and then they wrote and directed I Love You, Philip Morse. John and Glenn, um, and they. This is the first uh, movie that they were directing, but they didn't write. It was written by Dan Fogelman, who also wrote that new Disney movie about Rapunzel Tangled that I thought was so delicious. Um, and he's just a fantastic writer, and I do feel like he's a young, young James Brooks, you know, with that kind of talent and that kind of depth. Um, he's like a young man who was unmarried, and I'm like, how did you know all this? How did you know this about long-term married couples and about parents and about friendships and about, you know, commitment-phobic boys like Ryan Gosling plays? And, you know, he just he just knows humanity so well. But um, but the, I was going to say the directors let us improvise, and, and John Great. and I just had the most fun. And there's some, some really funny, funny lines. You know, they had to, of course, cut it down. It's such a huge cast. And everybody was having fun and doing all kinds of great stuff. And, of course, Carell comes from Second City, so he's a brilliant improviser. Um, but they had to shave a lot of it out. But there's still a few funnies in there that uh, were just absolutely spontaneous. Um, a few funnies of mine, I'm proud to say. Um, throw things off track, Betty Jo, but if you check the switchboard, I believe you have a special guest calling in. Oh, yes, I think we do have a special guest. We have a wonderful blog talk radio show called Comedy Concepts that's hosted by Nancy Lombardo. Nancy Lombardo! And I believe uh, Nancy Lombardo, and I believe she's on the line now, so so let's bring Nancy in. (laughs) Hello, is it you, Nancy? I can see you typing about me. (laughs) Hi, Nancy! Hi, Beth. Tom Carosa says hi. We got him on Facebook, but we couldn't go. I, I kept telling him, just call in. I don't want to call in. I don't know. I just want to um, Just call in. Yes, well, these I are, called these in are for my you. improv buddies from, from, from is, what, 15 years ago? 15 years ago, the First Amendment, uh, uh, Kathy Kenny, um, um, uh, Funny Ladies, everything. The whole uh, Betty Jo, what you don't know about this woman is that she was a breakout character actress before anybody was doing it. She was taking really? chances like you couldn't believe on the downtown oh, arts scene. She just inspired so many women with her. She had Miss D's Comedy Ice Tea. This is my little sketching group. <laughs> my little yes, sketching group named after my wiener dog. <laughs> yes, and she performed. She performed. Which she, you did your sketches. She did. She did a lot of. Uh, you were in all the performance art scenes, right, Beth? Ish, and all yeah. the venues. I mean, I was doing a lot of. I was doing a lot of. Uh, I was kind of uptown doing improv with you guys, and downtown doing a little more of the artsy stuff and a little more of the one woman show stuff. I actually came from um, a little more of the sort of highbrow but boring theatrical thing and really honestly when I, I I got so when I we started doing theater games I realized how much more fun it was to just do the, the comedy just do comedy so I sort she, of left uh, a lot Betty of my Joe, downtown theater stuff behind 
She and, was and, off the wall with taking chances on stage. To watch Beth perform on stage, she wow, would just take so many chances, and you would go, I can't believe she just did that. And she's well, smiling. Well, that's incredible coming from you because you are you were really the kind of, you know, you were the, the ruling funny lady, at, you know, when, when I was involved in the in, improv and sketch scenes. So that's a wonderful compliment coming from you. Thank you. I'm uh, so and, glad, uh, Nancy, Nancy, that, that you called in because uh, – I uh you're you're you take a lot of chances with your comedy too and I think Beth <laughs> is still taking chances with with her she so is. one of these days we're hoping that you you two can do can do something together wouldn't that be great I love it and yeah. also Betty Joe I want to mention if anyone wants to see Beth's stuff it's at, it's on her website if you just want to sit down and say I need a good laugh watch her reel she's unbelievable oh, yes. thank she, you every, Thank every you. cut and every clip is is just one more degree of what won't this woman do next? And I think that <laughs> uh, there's nothing I won't do, as we saw on the Daily Show. There is nothing I won't do. And we should start a get Beth on Saturday Night Live page. I think. Well, <laughs> you should be you. I'm not going to stop you if you want to do that. I mean, it's so funny. I tested for Saturday Night Live. Steve Me Colbert too. and I Steve Colbert and I tested the same year in ninety six and it was the same year the Daily Show was starting. And they, they were they were they were kinda of hold put me on hold and put me on hold and um and it didn't work out. I was starting the Daily Show and that was that I felt like that was my chance and I did the Daily Show instead, which was of course fantastic. And Colbert came in a year later and whatever, the rest is history. But um but yeah, that was a dream. I mean, that was a dream of mine because I've been a fan of Saturday Night Live well, for you know, know of thirty the, years. Exactly. Say, well, me, well, speaking of the Daily Show, Nancy, can um, will you be able to stay on with us for a while? It's it just been so nice of you to call, sure, but I, I know sure. that I know that Jazz Jazz is is kind of eager because he's he's a big big fan of the Daily Show, and I know he has some questions about that. So so um, Jazz, you want to chime in here? Oh, I don't know. They were just breaking my heart just listening to these stories that comedy is so hard. As Betty Jo knows, I, I have some reels that we never show to anybody of my one attempt at going and doing stand-up at an open mic night because I'm a hilarious guy, and I went into a room with about 200 people, among which I was apparently the only one who thought so. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I can tell you it, stand-up, I think, is the hardest. It, it is hardest. really hard. I've done but it let, before. Let, let's get, we have such a short show. Let's just jump back. Um yeah. Because I know we have a lot of fans along with me of The Daily Show. Just share with us, if you would, uh, well, just a couple of what are your most favorite moments from The Daily Show of doing that? Because that was just such a great place for people to, you know, you know, yeah. get their break. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people and, don't and know do that things. it started in 96, and it was really this kind of like, I have a barn, let's put on a show. I have a tiny cable budget and a small space in the PBS building. You know, which you guys, you know, at the 57th Street and 9th Avenue, really we were all basically in a few cubicles, and it was it was a band of misfits, and we didn't have a live audience at first, and it was Craig Kilborn from Sports Center, and it was just this, it was sort of this dysfunctional family, and I mean that in the best sense because we functioned, and we functioned kind of brilliantly, and it was, um, you know, I got paid the big bucks, I got paid about $350 a week. Uh, 
<laughs> which is like illegal or something. It's like child labor. <laughs> it's really because right. I was, you know, and I was a reporter. I was running and gunning, and I was just, you know, early on, I, my I met my husband there, and my husband was in charge of the of the field pieces. What the correspondents did early on, he sent me to do a story on a bore. A semen collection farm, which is quite quite normal in Iowa in farm country, where you um, you know they house boars and they had to collect their semen and sell it off to the farmers who you know would inseminate the sows and then do their pig farming. And boars are dangerous, so they just house them on their own. And but they had to do it by hand; they had to collect the semen by hand. So I was sent to make fun of the poor like daughter-in-law of the farm, you know, the farm family who had to do it. And she had me, she grabbed my hand and put my hand in there to um, <laughs> force me in this kind of glory hole to basically, yeah, bring the pig to Climax to collect the semen in a bag to then sell off their oh drive-through to the farm. Oh. Yeah, so this was early Daily Show, Newsweek called after this uh, aired. Um, it's it's basically, you'll see it, um, you can see it on the Daily Show website because they aired it on my last episode when I was moving on to do Spin City and moving out here to L.A. In 2000, they re-aired it on my last episode. And you can see me, I've got a little mushroom haircut. Like, people would write in, like, who's the girl with the bowl haircut? Or what, who's the girl with the little beetles haircut? I'm just, I'm so young, and I'm out in the, you know, in the, this, the stench of the, of the, of the room where the boars were kept was so bad. And they had a, she had to shower when you went out because no one could even stand to be near you because you, you the, the, like, the stink coming off you. So I mean, this was there was just crazy stuff. I and then the the um what sort of came about is these Beth Littleford interviews, which were the Barbara Walter knockoffs, the Barbara Walter parody. Yeah. That just happened because one day in Las Vegas I was doing two stories at the same time, like a Miss Rodeo and then a crazy like I don't know, they were shooting little people out of cannons somewhere. I don't know, you just crazy stuff. And we got word that John Wayne Bobbitt was in this Vegas hotel, and he had just become a priest. And it was still John Wayne Bobbitt, if our listeners remember, was the one who got his penis cut off by his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had just, you know, he was still in the news. He was still in the news. It was still like tabloidy and ugly news, but it was still in the news. And so I got to do a walk and talk with him, and it was literally a walk and talk. It ended up looking Barbara Walters-esque because we were walking and talking. We were walking and talking because it kept kicking us out of these spaces. Like, you're not supposed to film here. So we literally had to walk down the street of Las Vegas and and, and film my questions like, and how is your penis today? And, and it ended up becoming a kind of Barbara Walters-esque interview that my now husband brilliantly did a sort of a wraparound with, you know, that's it's like a Barbara Walters intro and outro, talking about the importance of this person culturally, you know, you know, in pop culture. And um and kind of the rest is history and they and they became these these interviews with David Cassidy and, you know, Cato Kalin and uh, you know, where I would be I would be surrounded by flowers and there'd be a really like a vaseline fuzzy lens and that got in sort of each each interview with the flowers encroached more over my face and the the lens got more fuzzy and then of course cut to my subject and it was just completely ugly video of them crystal clear but it was that barbara walters like soft focus lens thing so we really those started those getting were the greatest those i mean i just I, just hilarious and yeah some of them are on youtube the, with or... this i think we might have another 
call, and uh, the time <laughs> is, is really going by so quickly. But let me check with with Nikki to see. Nikki, uh, do we have another Hi. call on the on the switchboard? So we had a call. We have a call on hold. His name is James. He said he used to be best neighbor in Orlando on Orange Blossom. I I, I never lived on Orange Blossom. There you tell go. Me, tell me, tell me, what James? What's his last name? He didn't tell me his you, last you name. You know, he's a. Yeah. Normally we don't take calls unless they're um, planned. So, because you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's... Well, I just wanted to. Oh, I didn't. I never lived on Orange Blossom, but I am from Orlando or Winter Park. Yeah. He said he used to be but your thank, neighbor in Orlando. Thank you. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, James, yeah, yeah. for calling. But. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Well, Nikki, uh, are there some shout comments out, shout out from the, the chatters that? <laughs> Everybody's just excited <laughs> about the Daily Show. I'm telling you, I think that that is probably. You know the the number one thing that everybody wants to hear about is the Daily Show, which you know it's yeah. Well, well, it was that. <laughs> it was kind you of that because right. there was the first this early early feeling that's so kind of interesting, and it was my first, really my first TV job, so. You could you could see the the kind of the the groundswell happening. You could see the fans growing on the street. I mean, I remember being on the subway and someone being like, "Why are you taking the subway?" And it's like, "Well, who can afford a taxi?" But but it was like, "Oh my God!" But you're on the Daily Show, so the fans were really crazy. They felt like they knew you. They wanted to pitch ideas to you, you know. And they were so proud of them. You know, it was the baristas, it's the coffee bar. They were so like, "We're in on the joke," you know. It was this kind of under ground rumbling that was coming up and, and really, you know, kind of groundbreaking in a way. Um, and just, you know, it's fantastic talent that was coming together. Um, you know, always has been, really. It's been a real great magnet for, for talent, and it was it was just crazy and fun and, you I know, know, I know no real rules, and we were making it up as we went along. Everybody's interested in The <laughs> Daily Show, and, and I understand that being a big fan. That's a big production it got bigger as time went on with a lot of people yeah. but could you because you have this other rather unique experience contrast that with what was satisfying or challenging or your experience in doing a one-woman show yeah well and the one-woman show was was so fantastic to do but that was really just this sort of yeah that was like okay i can afford a 14-person theater so let me let me you know let me on the, you know in a in a basement in a dingy basement on the Upper West Side. I think Nancy Lombardo might have come. Um, but, I did, um, I did, I was there. She was there. God bless you. So she was one of my fourteen friends, and uh, and it was because I had been at Misty's Comedy Ice Tea. My little sketch group had done a greatest hits and had been seen by a manager, a talent manager at Three Arts. And he's actually a really giant talent manager. You know, he's a, you know Chris Rock and Real Farrell. And I, I at the time I was like, who are you and what do you? What does manager mean? What does that mean? And he happened to come, and he said, you need to do a one-woman show and get some heat on you. And so I did, and I did it by placing an ad in the Village Voice and, and, and securing this tiny little theater and then writing the show. So it was. I had about two, three uh-huh. weeks to write the show, and I didn't. I really ate, drank, and slept this effort. And I got it up, and it was like, you know, the day before even, it was like, oh, my God, are we going to – am I going to fall on my face 
or is this going to go? And the first night was rough, or the you know, like I said, was invited dress. It was rough. Thank God, it was just kind of close friends. And then I had a nice little run, and and Circle Rep happened to come, which was an old off Broadway, fantastic, now defunct, sadly, theater. There's a, it's a fantastic off Broadway theater, looking for original programming and sort of late night stuff, and wanted to kind of reinvigorate. And they offered me an off Broadway run, which was a fantastic stroke wow. of luck. And that was and that was really where they paid me a little bit. And I didn't have to and I got a lighting designer and I had a set designer and I had an intern who would bring in big big, you know, dirty props because it was kind of a it was sort of a little one woman play about bad boys and sex and it was kind of sex in the city before there was sex in the city. And um and it was so much fun to do and it got, it was extended and the last night of that was when the Comedy Central people came to see me because they were looking for talent, because they were putting together an infotainment show, you know, kind of based on SportsCenter, weren't exactly sure what they were doing, needed comedians-type correspondence. Um, and, yeah, and I got my shot, and I had to pitch them ideas. And the man who later became my husband thought my ideas were so bad that he went into the field with, it, you know, the the two women who started it gave me this shot they're like we're gonna we're gonna put you in the field and shoot a piece and see how it goes and focus group it and see if you could you know you know make it as a correspondent and then my husband came on to sort of direct and oversee the field pieces and he said yeah this idea isn't going to work so i'm going to go into the field oversee the shoot so that one of my underling producers doesn't fail their first time out i'll take the hit and then he said he looked at me through the camera and he goes this just might work this girl has some pop and uh we married two years later so yeah. Well, she is electric. Um, when you watch her on stage, she is electric. You just—it's like thank you, gosh. <laughs> she just thank sparks fly when she's on stage. You, she doesn't even say anything, and you're waiting to see what she's going to do next. It's that. Wow. It's like the, the best experience. I know. Thank you. Well, Nancy, have the, you heard the? She, what? Go ahead. Does she have a book? Was, that was my question. I was question. just going to say, have you heard the title of the of the new one-woman show that she's working on? It's A Letter to My Son's Future Therapist. Now, how how about that for a title? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's actually well, a piece I just did. It's, it's well, not a book. Well, you'll, you'll love this. You'll love this. The title of my next show is Jazz Housewife, Tales from a Demented Mind. I think we're on the same track. Yeah, I know because I it's a whole new it's a whole new world to be a mom. So yeah, and it's and that's and that is I performed a piece uh, called that, and there is there is stuff that I definitely I mean there's there's all kinds of things that I'm writing and doing right now just because I I remember when I was doing that when I was so active and creating those like when I knew Nancy those or you know those mid nineties years in New York um, when the Daily Show was starting up I really kind of want (laughs) to grab some of that back my son is five and a half now and so yeah I'm doing a lot more of the thanks for putting me into a panic when I thought she said Jazz's housewife. yeah, I know. I, thought, I was like, is she married to Jazz? What? No. Jazz housewife. <laughs> yeah, and well, my wife's I, listening I to the show, to... so that's going to go over real well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask about. I have to ask about this. This. This cute little MTV show. I mean, it's not so little. It's very, very popular. But I've I've watched it's a, popular a if few you're, of yeah, the if episodes. You're the Hard Times of R.J. Berger. You, and I think that's been picked up for for another year. Tell us a little bit about that show and about the role you play 
um, in in that uh, sure. In that I actually show, love this. Beth. I'm really excited about the second season. We're done shooting, and the second season premieres after the finale of Jersey Shore on March 24th. So, and then one of the Jersey Shore guys, the guy named Vinny, the sort of sweet mama's boy, is playing my nephew on that on that premiere of the second season and then it's going to move to its monday night slot at 10 p.m on the following monday march 28th i am really excited about the second season this is a little show that could it was mtv's first sitcom and um the guys who created it david katzenberg jeffrey's son and this guy seth graham smith who wrote um pride and prejudice and zombies which has been a bestseller and is now going on (laughs) he's like now a big huge film writer producer guy because they're really talented talented dudes um they're selling shows. They're doing all kinds of stuff. But this is their labor of love. This is kind of everybody's labor of love. Um, done on a shoestring budget, which, you know, I'm familiar with. Uh, and uh, just pretty raunchy, but also surprisingly full of heart. They they say, they mm-hmm. say the producers tell the network, look, it's 50% heart, 50% fart. So it does appeal to that male demographic that they want. But I also have, you know, I also have sort of, you know, Women in their 20s saying, like, we love that show. And I play the mom of R.J. Berger. I play Suzanne Berger. R.J. is a sweet, you know, nerdy high school student who's just struggling, kind of like we all did, through adolescence. And um, and I'm his I'm his milf gone wild. I mean, I'm his swinging mom. Like, remember how I said I sort of, my, my range of characters, I swing between uptight housewife and crazy off the hook sex addict lady <laughs> you know so this is like my husband and I are swingers and then in this new season the, you know the family busts up and there's a lot of kind of chaos and heartbreak um as well as a lot of sex so uh but it really there's actually a lot of tears there's a lot of laughter and a lot of tears which I said earlier about crazy stupid love is what the Steve Carell movie is what I'm such a fan of so this second season, really, the bar is just really raised. Um, I'm a regular in this season, just for this season. So, I mean, and I hope to come back for a third season. But it's nice because I'm a part of the cast in a way that I wasn't for the first season. Um, but, you know, the first season had me, you know, given given him a talk, a mom talk, while sitting on a dryer and, and uh, you know, and stimulating okay. myself on the dryer. You know, I mean, this okay. stuff well, and we that, know that I will do the crazy stuff. Yeah, I'll go there. Will do. And uh, but it does it, some of the some of the ideas too are are so so funny in that show. I I watched the episode where there was a mashup between West Side Story yeah. and and Twilight, and yeah. I thought what a great idea, sort of a parody oh, on yeah. Glee. Exactly. No, exactly. Just... So, I mean, really, the teens love it. You know, it's raunchy, but the teens will love it. But I have to tell you, I've got guys like, you know, sort of grown guys. I mean, not not middle-aged, but grown, you know, in their late 20s being like, I'm telling everybody that's a fantastic show. So it's nice because it's a little bit of a taste of that that daily show love that I used to get on the streets where someone had discovered a gem and they want, they wanted me to know it and they wanted me to spread the word. You know, RJ's mom. Hey, you know. So I'm getting some of that love, which is great. And um, and I'm really, it's been so much fun to do. It's been so much fun to do because really, I mean, Jazz, you asked about comedy, and it is hard, but it's for me deeply gratifying. And I know there's a lot of actors who feel that way about like plumbing the depths of despair, which you know, occasionally I like to go there. But it's really fun to just to just um, to just let it all bust out. 
you know, comedically. Well, I so, think we can um, tell how much you enjoy it. And, yeah, and, I love and your fans show. really, really enjoy what you're you're doing. And so uh, I just wonder if you have a favorite classic film comedy. We started out by talking about uh, film comedies and what you I know, because classic. it's like, oh, classic I, film comedy. Really, I didn't, you know, pre-meatballs. It's like my husband made me watch It Happened One Night, which was fantastic, because he's like, you've got to know these old, these old romantic comedies. Uh, did I cut you off, Betty Jo? What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say I, I would like to see you in... in I would like to see you in something like The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox. <laughs> well, I'm writing that down with, because uh, I don't know Will it. Farrell. You would, you and oh, Will Ferrell. You can picture, you. picture roles. You know, I'll put that. the call in. Will, how about, yeah. <laughs> Will, how about Renee? Yeah, no, I mean, that, and, you know, of course, like Catherine Hepburn, I mean, so fantastic. And in the it, it was it was so interesting to me how in the 40s women were allowed to be snappy and sassy and empowered like these fantastic broads, which, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of a throwback to that, and then we got then we got the demure housewife thing. But I do love that old Catherine Hepburn stuff, and you know, gosh, anything and everything. And she Rosalind did, Russell, the Hepburn Tracy. I could see you, I could oh, see you fantastic. and Stephen Colbert in a parody of His Girl Friday. I, I, that's another one that I yes, I'm that's about I, you, you know. Yeah. Oh God, I love I think it. I love it, work. Betty Jo. Great ideas. Well, call, call up the head I'm working of, a, on of a studio. It. Call up the head of a studio with yeah. these. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It would be, no, it would be such fun. I was thinking about classic film comedies, and I was like, really, classic film comedies to me is Tootsie, and I, I'd like to be Tootsie. I would like to play the yes. Boston <laughs> role. I, I was thinking the Thin Man. You would be great. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah, I see, I need to. Go ahead. I we need we need to have a, a full hour with you. It just you're just such fun to talk with, but but the time has really really gone by and it's it's almost up. And I want to okay. thank you so much for being such a terrific guest today, and and Nancy Lombardo for calling in. And I mean, I really do mean it that uh, you two should get to, together and do something together. And <laughs> oh yeah, and absolutely. I want to be there. I want to be absolutely. there when that happens, but. Beth, will you come back and visit us again sometime? Of course, we, we really of would. course. Thanks because for letting me either, ramble on, you know. Well, we love to hear you ramble on, and uh, <laughs> your fans are just so happy that you were you were able to be here today. So we'll look forward to your next visit, Beth, and we'll uh, we'll say say goodbye to you for now, and okay. have a lot of fun. Okay, thanks, Betty Jo. Thank you. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Nancy. You too. Thanks, Jazz. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye now. Thanks so much, Beth. Thanks. Jazz and Nancy. Was that fun? That was great. She's she's terrific. I don't think she's gotten the recognition she deserves. She really is one of our top comic actresses right now, and she she just pushes the envelope. She definitely does. I I I really I, I was a little bit shocked, but I can't help it. I can't help laughing. <laughs> she is so funny. It's She's clean, a very funny. Talented. I, when you see the scene, yes. Betty Jo, you won't be offended. It's clean, funny. It's, I know. it's innuendo. I know. But... <laughs> no, it's just that the church, my inner church lady, sometimes acts up. But <laughs> but now it's time to wrap up the show with a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio and WRSP nine three six dot com for all their support. 
And with special thanks to Nancy, Nikki, Jazz, our chatters, and other listeners, I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time when our guest will be Will Sasso. Yes, that's right, the one and only Will Sasso, the veteran of Mad TV. He's promised to talk about his film and TV experience. He's appeared in over 20 feature films and currently stars with William Shatner in blank, my dad says, <laughs> the CBS comedy series, which won the latest People's Choice Award as Best New Comedy. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. Now to close the show, here's the talented A.J. Daniels to take us out with a song we dedicate to all our listeners. Bye for now, movie fans. I love you